Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Uh, but it's been a great time. We told you we wanted to get you in all your Christmas feels. But I want you to know that But today's the point. Like, we've talked about a lot of stuff over the last three weeks. I hope it's been encouraging to you, but I'm, I'm letting you know, today's the point. Like I told you, we got a prayer for you. It comes out of Psalms chapter 34, that you would taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and it's more than taste like a, a physical taste, even though we were playing on words out there. We started out with peanut butter balls, ended up with hot, fresh, hot cookies. And last week, we had like a little breakfast buffet, and today you got your own little stocking stuffers. But it's not taste like something you're going to put on your lips It's something you're going to experience. Like, we want you to experience that God is good. And the reason being is because today's message. How many of you have ever heard this? I can remember my mother liked to cross-stitch. And we had all different kinds of little cross-stitching things around the house. And and if you grew up in the 80s, you probably had a mom, if you lived in the house, that that cross-stitched too. And it had this phrase, home is where the The heart is. Your mama made the same cross stitch, huh? Home is where the heart is. And I want you to know, when I talk about home for Christmas, and we think about everything we're going on, I I, I want you to find out where your heart is. And when I think about heart, it's not like my beating heart, like, like, Mickey, if you don't watch what you're eating and start exercising, like, you're going to have a heart attack. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about heart like... Like home is where the love is. It's where the acceptance is. It's where I can show up, warts and all. And even on my worst day, they still choose to love me. And because of that, man, I I know it's a place that I can go home to. Well, I want us to dive in and say, okay, now what does that mean? And I'm going to take you guys on a journey that's something that God put on my heart a, a, a while back. And I'm actually going to use Daniel. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Daniel. If you're on a phone or tablet, whatever it may be, if you're at the house, pull up your phone, go to Daniel. And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. And, and I'm going to, I want to try to use this. I want to be real careful. I'm a very big, what I call, exegetical pastor. What do I mean by that? I believe God's Word says what it says, and it means what it means. You'll never hear me do a community group or do a lesson and say, now, how does that make you feel? What do you think that means? I believe God's word speaks very loudly and clearly. It means what it means. It says what it says. But today, I want to use Daniel's story in the beginning, and I want to use it to kind of leverage, because we're going to be talking about food that they eat, going back to the taste and see, and a stance that he took. But I want us to use that thinking about where are we at and what things do we allow to become a part of our life. Well, Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 8. You will see the scriptures on the screen as well. And it says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. The first thing, we ain't even getting few words into it, and I got to hit a pause button. Like if I had to sum up today's message, it's the concept of, of what are you allowing to be a part of your life? Like everybody, like, like you're fixing to hear some guys, and it's their Hebrew names. 
And later on, they show up on the scene, and you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're in a furnace, but yet they're not being consumed. There's three people in the furnace, but all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar sees four. And then when they come out of the furnace, even though the people putting them in the furnace are dying because it's so hot, they come out, and they don't even smell like smoke. And it's like, well, wow, that's where I want to be. God, I want to be in a place where I can sense your presence, where being in this world, I can be in this world, but not of this world. Like I can run around in this world, but I don't stink like the world. I can be a part of this world, but I don't look like the world. I can relate to people in this world, but they see me. And because of the love that I have and the joy that I have and the things that are in my life, like, like that I can love God by loving his people. So how do I do that? Listen to me. Everybody wants to get to the, to the furnace and not be consumed. But nobody wants to do the preparation before they ever get to the furnace. You need to know that Daniel, who ends up being set up as a king, not a king, but, but a main, like a governor, and he separates himself in chapter six by these characteristics that are a part of his life. Like everybody wants to have that favor, but nobody wants the starting point. The word here where it says that, but Daniel resolved if you want to write in your paper Bible, or if you are electronic, you can put a note in there. That Hebrew word could literally be translated, he made up his mind. Daniel, in chapter 1, he said, you know what? I'm making my mind up that no matter what happens, I'm not going to let something defile me. Now, he was referring to some king's food and, and to some of the wine, and that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about us as a people group. When we talk about home for Christmas, that we resolve in our spirit that no matter what everybody else says, we're going to make up our mind that we're not going to let what everybody else says become our opinion and defile us. Now, defile is kind of one of these words that I apologize. You, you have a pastor that, that English ain't my strong suit, but, but we're going to keep getting through it. And I was like, well, what in the world defile mean? You know, like I kind of know what it means, but here's the best way I can explain it. It's taking something that should mean a lot and making it less. It's taking something that has a lot of value and trying to lessen it. And one of the things that, that is going on in this particular scripture is that Daniel and these Jewish boys have set themselves up in the tradition of the Jewish custom. And in this Jewish custom, now they're trying to be asked to, to forget what, what their traditions are to forget the things that they are eating and to start moving towards this concept and defiling themselves and making themselves less. But it's one of those things that the defile is the lessening. And so listen to me. I want you to make up your mind today. Then when it comes to your home, when it comes to where your heart is, when it comes to the things that you love, when it comes to the way that you live, that you're not going to let anybody else lessen what you have. And I want you to know today, when we talk about home for Christmas, listen to me. You don't need your home to be like somebody else's home. Your home is good enough. God looks at you with worth and you are good enough. You say, well, well how does he look at me with worth? He looks at you with so much worth that he did not look at being God as something to grasp, but that he took the form of a baby 
and came to this world as a servant that led him to a cross that he would die so that he could have a relationship with you. So listen to me. The first thing that I want you to just to put in your notes, like, like I'm going to make up my mind today. Like this holiday season, we're a week away. Some of you have Christmas families today. Some of you have Christmas coming up on Christmas Eve. So listen, we ain't going to let everybody start telling us what's going to make us happy. We're not going to let everybody start telling us what we need to give our heart to. We're not going to let everybody start telling us and lead us to a point of defilement. In fact, I, I wrote in my notes, very simple. People, people. If there's anything that's under attack in 2022, this world, this people, this nation is just trying to defile or lessen the home. They're trying to tell you that there's certain things that you need to do, and that's what's going to make you a home. You say, Pastor, what's your stance on that? I don't get on with all these political topics and hot topics and soapboxes, but I want to let you know. Scripture's very clear about where your heart is and what you should love and what it takes to make a home. In fact, it talks about in Matthew, Jesus himself using a parable. And he said, don't be like the foolish man that builds his house on the sand where the winds come and the storms come and, and it falls and great is its fall. He said, no, be like the wise man that built his house on the rock. And the rock we know because of Petros' confession is Jesus Christ. So let's look how Daniel handled it. So Daniel turns around and he says, but Daniel resolved, he made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, listen, this is where I, I love this part of the story. This is what jumped off the page because when Daniel resolved in his spirit that he wasn't going to defile himself, immediately God did two things. Listen to what God does in, chapter, in verse 9. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. I want you to know that whenever we get in obedience, like, everybody wants God's favor. I don't know if anybody says, you know what? After studying God's word and knowing who Jesus is and knowing how powerful God is, like, I don't really care about him. Like, I don't really want his favor. I don't really want him to bless me. I don't really want him to pour out his blessing. Like, all of us say, you know what, Lord, let, I, can you please, can you let your favor be on me? But it's more than just his favor on you. He's, he says he gave him compassion and then gave him favor also with the people that were over him. When you're thinking about the Christmas story, you can actually turn in Luke and, and you have this story of, of Jesus being left at the temple. And they leave for three days and they go, oh my goodness, where's Jesus? And they go back and they find him in the temple. And, and at the end of that story, it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That same words in the Greek are the words that are used here in the Hebrew. I want you to know that you can be in a place where your home receives favor. Now, listen to me. I have to say this because of the culture in which we live. I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm not talking about, hey, I love Jesus. Where's my Cadillac? 
oh, I love Jesus, and we need to get a plane so I can travel and tell people about Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's favor where all of a sudden, and we've experienced this as a church, where people go in for a report to follow up about cancer, and the cancer is no longer there where people are struggling with eyesight and and all of a sudden the eye starts starts correcting itself. Where little kids are are born with some sort of of birth defect and and all of a sudden, well, they just kind of grew out of it. No, they didn't. God touched them and healed their body. Where God touches your relationships and heals your marriages. Where God helps you in your parenting and brings your children under his umbrella and all of a sudden he restores them and he brings the prodigal back home. Like all of those things are the favor of God. Like to think the favor of God is about Cadillacs and airplanes and homes is actually the lesson what the favor of God is. The favor of God is that you will have life and have life more abundantly. And the things that he wants to put favor on are the things that are not temporary, but the things that are permanent. So listen to me. When it talks about the favor of God, it's very easy to remember. If rust or moth will destroy it, guess what? That ain't it. But he wants to bless you in a mighty way. And that's what he says. You know what? He said, Daniel, because of your obedience, not only am I going to put my favor on you, but I'm also going to put favor on you in front of other people. Let's pick up this amazing biblical account, the next verse, in verse 10. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, listen to how he responds. It wasn't like, oh, boy, this is great. He says to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Can I put this in everyday English? When you choose to resolve in your mind that you're not gonna allow the world to defile you, there's a lot of people that that they're gonna go against you because if you do things the right way, that put light on the wrong way. When you don't accept the things that are not of God's word, then all of a sudden people start belittling you, call you a bigot, call you all these different things. Why? Because what's happening is you're taking the light that God's put in you, and where the light goes, the darkness has to flee. And so all of a sudden, when you put light, all of a sudden lies are brought up into the light, and now they got to deal with it. Has any of you, don't raise your hand, but have you ever had somebody that was close to you or a family member or a friend that all of a sudden they started distancing themselves from you. And it wasn't because of anything that you have done, but it's because of everything that they do. And the bottom line is, is, that, is that your lack of defilement made them realize when they looked in the mirror that they had issues. Now, I believe there's two ways to handle this. I think there's the way that the church did in the 80s when they start yelling and screaming at people, telling them how bad they are. And we all saw how that worked out, right? And all of a sudden the church goes, Pew! and they, like, like nobody cares anymore. But then you have this amazing rebirthing of God's church that's happened in the 2010s and going into 2020 where the church has realized what grace and love and took Jesus' example and said, listen, I don't have to shout at you. All I got to do is make sure that this light that's in me shines. And I'm just going to love you no matter where you are. Like, I don't have to tell somebody. I've learned as a parent. I got five kids. And it's one of those things that, listen, on these last two, Amy and I, we're pretty good. Why? Because we had three to learn on. And one of the things that I realized is that when the kids mess up, guess what? You ain't got to tell them that. Like, they know they messed up. 
Like, I don't have to come in as a dad and kind of have this, you know, tenter tantrum, and I can't believe you did this, and oh, I'm so disappointed in you, oh, I just can't, I'm going to ground you until you're 20. I mean, like, it's like, take a breath. Like, when people mess up, they know they messed up. You don't have to lord or hang it over their head. But it's amazing how if you will love them and, and let natural consequences work itself out in parenting and and bring them through it and, and let them see the flaw in a very graceful way. At the end of it, you end up with this amazing thing called a relationship. And when they get to be adults, they still want to come home and they want to hang out and they call you to ask for different advice in certain situations. Like the way that we love people is extremely important. But what was going on with this chief of the eunuch? He's going, hang on, man, you want me to do this, but, but what am I going to do if I listen to what you say and then you come in and you boys are, are you know, you're lacking. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to be the one on the hook. And listen to what Daniel says. Very simple. It's straight out of God's word. Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then... Let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Again, it's talking about this taste and see in verse 14. So he, being the chief of the units, listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days and listened to what happens. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 17, as for these four youth, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, I don't want to just blow through that verse because I want you to understand. Listen to me. If you want the things of God, then you need to learn to be obedient to the God that sends them. Like, I want you to know like one of the things that's on my heart is we're running into 2023 and I'm, and I'm thinking through some different sermon series and what direction we wanna go and, and the things that are coming up. And, and I want us as a corporate body more than anything, I want us to resolve in our spirit. I want us to make up our mind that we're not gonna let this world defile us no matter what's coming. And one of the ways that has to happen, talking about end time living, right? Is you gotta resolve in your spirit that I'm gonna accept the whole word. I can't pick and choose just the parts that I think make my life a little bit better. Like, I'm going to accept the whole thing. I'm not going to compromise God's word under the umbrella of love. I'm not going to compromise God's word under the umbrella of my own disobedience. I'm not going to use God's word and be like, well, you know, God's word says this, but then somebody approaches us about something. You say, well, hang on, you know, that, I don't use that version. Like, a part of the obedience is where the favor comes. And the favor that he bestowed on these young men, again, if you wanna end up in the furnace and surviving, he says, and for these four youth, listen, God gave, not some king, not some prince, not some chief, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. This has meant a lot to me recently because one of my prayers has been that God refreshes the dream. Like not to get so caught up in everything going on that we lose sight of the vision. 
that we want to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God and find freedom and discover their purpose to go make a difference. It's like, well, how do you do that? How do you interpret that when it seems like everything is changing? How do you do that when you come off of a world pandemic and things are changing? How do you do that when eggs go from 25 cents for a dozen to now they're like up to $3.59 a dozen? How do you do that when all, the, like when all these things, how do you do that and not get distracted by all the things that are coming at you? Listen to me. The wisdom and the discernment and the interpretations of visions and dreams that God's put in your heart, the key is to link into the obedience. You can't live in a disobedient life and then wonder why you're confused on what your heart's dream and vision is. And it's all because of learning to trust God and say, you know what? When things get tough, I'm not gonna back off of my obedience, but I'm gonna lean in harder. I'm gonna accept all of his word. Even when people call me an extremist, I'm not gonna be an extremist. I'm not gonna be the bullhorn guy screaming at people, sanctify our french fry, turn or burn, you're all going to hell. Well, actually, no, we're not. I've accepted Jesus. Thank you so much for your time. I'm just trying to go to the ball game. But we let what people do and us not wanting to associate with them dictate on what we do and the what we should be associated with. The word that you're looking for, I've already used. It's called to devour or to lessen. Listen, if you wanna create a home that people wanna come home to, you gotta make sure there's something at the home they wanna have. And I promise, people aren't gathering in a week just because you've got the greatest gift that they've ever seen in their life. Listen, I'm not devaluing because I love gifts. I love gift giving. But that's not the greatest thing you have to offer your children. For all you people that are married, the greatest thing you have to offer your spouse, I promise, it's not gonna be under that tree. Your greatest thing you have to offer is you. And you is what makes the house a home. Because in you, that's where the love lies. But he talks about this favor and the things he does with obedience. And we're almost done. And then in verse 19, at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they would be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, those are the Jewish names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding, listen to this, because I think all of us want to have wisdom and understanding. I'm giving you the key today to wisdom and understanding in your life. Listen. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters and then those that were in his kingdom. Listen, if, if you want wisdom, if you want to move forward, if you want to do the things that God has called you to do, I'm telling you today, it starts with making up your mind that you're not gonna sell yourself short 
and allow things of this world to defile you. That you make up your mind that, hey, listen, not just for Christmas, but going into 2023, and yes, we're going to have a service on New Year's Day. I'm jacked up about it. Like, I'm so fired up. What if I stay out late? Listen, that, I will too, and I'm still going to be here. Why? Because I'm excited to crank up 2023 with worshiping Jesus because I'm not going to let the world tell me what I need and don't need. You say, why? Well, number one, because I'm a stubborn old man. But secondly, because I know I lack stuff. And I have learned with what God's called me to do, to have wisdom and discernment. Being in God's word is not an option for me. It's detrimental to my life, my marriage, my fathering, my pastoring, my friendships. In fact, I don't know of anything in my life that gets better when I pull away from God's word. But the more that I get into God's word and the more I understand his characteristics and the more he starts showing me and giving me wisdom and giving me discernment, I will find myself in situations with people just like you where all of a sudden God's doing things and I'm going, man, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like we just ordinary people. Look at what God's doing. And God's up there going, that's what I do. That's what I do when my people choose to do what I call them to do. That's what I do when people take my whole word and don't pick and choose the things that just make them feel better. That's what I do when my children are obedient. Because just like you as a parent, you give me some obedient children, man, you you can have whatever you want for Christmas. Like, we're going to bankrupt the checking account. Why? Because you, man, you all, like, I want you to know, like, like it's amazing how curfews get later and responsibilities get more when you can trust people in their obedience. Now, that's the aspect of Daniel, but there's actually another part of this message that's, that's just at the end because the question is, well, how do you do this? Like, Mickey, this sounds great as far as tasting and seeing and eating the king's food, but, but like, what about us? Let me tell you the whole premise of this whole thing is I want to ask you, how do you love people? Like this Christmas... Can we be honest? For some, it's a little bit awkward to give a gift to certain people because they're not expecting a gift from you because of the way you treat them. Like the defilement is the way that we we first start defiling our hearts. Like we have a heart issue and we want to lessen God's command that he calls us to love him and to love people. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the amazing, amazing love chapter, right? Can I just go back and and just give you just a few verses? Verse four through eight. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Say insist on your own way. See, see, y'all don't like that, do you? You're like, I ain't saying that. If you love somebody, it's not about your way. We grow up in a culture where we say it's my way or the highway. And then we get upset when people are driving down the highway. And we're all by ourselves. And then all of a sudden, pastor, I'd like to meet with you in the office. And I'm like, well, you don't want to give them the option to go down the highway. It's one of those things that, listen to me, Love does not insist on its own 
way. It is not irritable. Wives, look at your husband and say, love ain't irritable. Go ahead, I'm giving you the opportunity. It's not irritable. Love doesn't get hangry. Love doesn't stop. You say, what if they ain't doing the right thing? You don't love them because they do the right thing. You love them because they're worth loving. Home doesn't stop. In fact, here's the way that I wrote it in my notes. I want you to try to figure out ways this week to demonstrate your love. I am learned more than ever. I sat at a wedding yesterday, and I realized that that wedding ceremonies are not about the vows. It's not about this commitment. It's really about this whole concept of of a demonstration that, like, these people are saying, I love each other. Like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. Like, like I'm one of those, like, forever is a long time, isn't it? Like, I literally, if somebody asks me, like, what's your thoughts about tattoos? They're forever. Like, I don't have a problem with them, but I don't have one. Why? Because they're forever. And I look at my body and where I am now and where I was at 18, and, and I don't think that tattoo would have lo- looked the same. Like, like... <laughs> Like, ooh, isn't that cool? I, I like that black crow you got on your shoulder. That's not a crow. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know, what, you know. Like, it's forever. Like, there's very few things that are meant to last forever. And you know what one of those things are? Your home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, will I not come back again to receive you? So that where I go, you may go with me. So I want you to figure out a way to demonstrate your love. Now, I have a way around the holidays that I like to do this and and I'm going to get over here to my wife, and I'm praying really big right now that she doesn't reject me. But there's this amazing thing called a mistletoe. Ain't that right, baby? Whew! Baby, feel good. And I'll, she just said that's gross. Five kids later, kissing's gross. Okay. And what's funny is when you see me walk down to my wife and give her a kiss, you're like, oh, isn't that sweet all these years? They're still kissing each other. Some of you guys are a little bit jealous. Guys, I hooked you up today. Pull what's in your pocket out. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Get you a little kiss. Yes. Now, there's a lot of you right now going, how did I not get the mistletoe? You were supposed to go to the bathroom. We're sitting in the bathroom. We're trying to get the secret. But listen to me. I'm telling you. I want you to put your love on demonstration mode. Like, I want you for the next week to figure, like, some of these girls still giggling. Like, he <laughs> gave me a kiss in front of the church. We believe in the growth of the church. 
Just going to leave that right there. (laughs) But listen to me. As cute and as silly as that is, the world needs to see that you love each other. And the world needs to see that you still love them. Like it needs to be something sweeter than just catching your significant other underneath the mistletoe. Like, like you got to figure out a way to, to catch some people that, that they didn't know that they're loved under a spiritual mistletoe. And I'm not talking about you, you giving complete strangers a kiss because now, now you just got awkward. But I'm saying trying to figure out a way for you to demonstrate to them that they're loved. Parents in the room that have children, the greatest gift, the greatest gift, there's not even a close second, the greatest gift you will give your children is them seeing you love each other. Let them catch you kissing under the mistletoe. Let them catch you joking and flirting and cutting up in the kitchen because they'll grow up and that's how they'll love their significant other. Quick rabbit trail. Well, pastor, that sounds great, but I've been through a divorce or I'm a single parent. Listen to me. Don't you defile your love. You don't have to have another side in order for you to love your kids and show them what love is. God's not looking at you as less than. I don't look at you as less than. I look at you as somebody that was was called by God to have an amazing ministry to your children and to make an amazing impact in this world. Don't you let people defile you resolve in your spirit that no matter what your situation is now, that you're gonna move forward in God's word and you're gonna be obedient. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we demonstrate love the right way, if we have enough fun, if we show people what true love is and what God's love is in their life, they're going to want it. They're going to go from a little kid that goes, ooh, boys got cooties, to daddy, I want to marry somebody like you. One of the sweetest conversations I ever had was with my little girl, Brian. When I had to explain to her that daddy's not on the market. Because daddy loves mommy. And, but daddy, I, I, I want to be married to you. I want you to be there. I don't want to ever leave. I don't want to ever get married and leave you. And me explaining to her, no, baby. You don't compromise yourself. And you don't compromise God's word. And God's got somebody better than daddy for you. Demonstrate your love. Let your home be where God's heart is. And watch and see if he doesn't bless you and put his favor on you 
and his favor on you and in the favor of God and men. And when you have that favor and you find yourself in the middle of the room with the greatest influence, don't put the influence on yourself. Demonstrate where the love comes from because home is where the heart always be. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.